Good morning, everybody. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Uh, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, while you're doing it, hold your Bible up. Let's see, did you bring a Bible? Bibles are good. You should try it. It's really helpful. It's good stuff. And we are studying the presence of God. And uh, Lord, as we read your holy word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us today. Lord, one moment, one sentence, one touch from you can change everything forever. So do it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Now, chapter 3, starting at verse number 1, and I'm reading out of New American Standard today. And welcome to you guys online that are watching us other places. Now, Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. Now, sometimes the Lord Jesus appeared in the Old Testament. That's called a Christophany, and he was sometimes referred to as the angel of God. And Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must, everyone say must, I must turn aside now, and I must see this marvelous sight, which that the bush is not burned up. This is very important, verse number four. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here I am. He said, don't come near here. Take off your sandals from your feet for the place in which you're standing is what? Holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. And I'm aware of their suffering. So I've come down. Everyone say, I've come down. I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. These are the pagan nations that inhabit the promised land at the time. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I've seen the oppression which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now. I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? And that I, I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And the Lord said, certainly I will be with you. This will be the sign to you. It's I who've sent you that when you've brought the people out of Egypt, this is very important, you will come again with those people and worship right here 
at Mount Sinai. Now, anybody in the room know where Logan County, Kentucky is? Hold your hand up. You know where Logan is, okay? This is a map of the counties in the state, and you can see it down there at the bottom near Tennessee. This is the county seat, Russellville of Logan County. Why are you telling me about this? Good reason. Thanks for asking. The late 1700s, Logan County was known as Rogues Harbor. Everyone say that, Rogues Harbor, because it was filled with murderers, horse thieves, highway robbers, and counterfeiters. This is from history. The reason is, is because rascals and criminals fled other parts of the country to hide on this part of the frontier. It was a difficult dangerous place. Now, when God wants to do something, he starts with a man or woman. They may be 14 years of age or 84 years of age, and God brought revival to Logan County through a man by the name of James McGreedy. By the way, if I was choosing a name as a pastor, I wouldn't choose McGreedy, (laughs) but he's got that name. That is the original site of one of three churches he pastored. They were at Red River Meeting House. Have you heard of it? The Gasper River Church and the Muddy River Church. Why? Because these are communities that were founded on the banks of rivers because of clean water. Why three churches? Because no other pastor wanted to go here. And this is from his journal. When I arrived there, it was so dead. It was so lifeless. The tiny congregations were so defeated. And it seemed to me like in the spirit realm, the Holy Spirit had left the entire area. That's bad, isn't it? And he said, the few faithful believers in my three small churches... They were concerned about Logan County, and they were concerned for all these corrupt people and for their eternal souls. So here's what he did. The first Monday of every month in Rogues Harbor, he called whoever would come through from his three churches to meet at one location simply to pray. Now, our heart at Church of the Savior is to be a house of prayer. We want to start a prayer movement right here because it's, prayer is the only thing that will bring the presence of God that will change the hearts of people. It's the only hope for our nation, for our state, and our city. And here's another thing that the people of these three small churches did. They said, we're going to pray for our pastor every Saturday night at sundown, and we're going to pray for him Every Sunday morning at sunrise, we're going to ask for the Spirit of God to fall on our pastor. June of 1800 came. They were going to have a four-day communion service. If you had to walk 30 miles, you would take a while to take communion, wouldn't you? So they had a four-day communion service. This is a replica of the room that they met in at the Red River Meeting House. Surprisingly, Four to five hundred people turned out. It was unbelievable. 
Pastor McCready wrote this in his journal years later about the fourth day after the service was terminated. He said there was a dreadful, striking sense of solemnity over the entire assembly. It seems like everybody in the place had tears running down their face. He said seemingly people were awakened to their sin and they were struck with keen, piercing conviction. If people are convicted, who does the convicting? Somebody tells me. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts of sin, judgment, and righteousness. He goes on to say many of them just fell on the ground. They roared out in anguish saying, how can I find God? How can I be saved? And he said some of God's children were filled with a sense of love like never before they had experienced about the goodness of God they'd found in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were like bottles that had been empty forever. And some of them didn't even have the bodily strength to move because the presence of God was so wonderful and so thick. He said the most amazing thing were the children, little boys and little girls, 8, 9, 10, 12 years of age, and some as young as father were lying on the ground, weeping, praying, crying, asking for mercy like they were condemned criminals at the place of execution. By the way, did you know the Spirit of God can come on a five-year-old just as easy as a 55-year-old? Maybe easier. But Greedy and his colleagues decided they would have another service that summer at one of the other churches, the Casper River Church, and this is the location where that log church stood. And boy, were they surprised. 8,000 people showed up. Folks, this is 1,800. Many of them had come as far as 100 miles away. They brought all their camping supplies. They stayed for days and weeks. And the services started at sunrise and they went till it got dark and they couldn't even see. Preachers were preaching round the clock. People were worshiping. There were services inside. There were services outside. And he went on to say in his testimony, nobody wanted to go home. When God's presence shows up, nobody wants to leave. People didn't care whether they'd eaten or not. People didn't care about how much sleep they got or no sleep. They were concerned about one thing, eternity. Little children, young men and women, old, gray-headed people of every race and economic situation were all the same worshiping together. Some were found in every place of the multitude, pricked to the heart with clear messages from the Lord, from the scriptures, crying out for mercy with great distress. If we're going to have revival, maybe it's going to take distress before people will cry out. Every now and then we'd find another one delivered from the burden of sin and guilt and the sweet presence of the Lord and people finding the gaze of the Holy One 
finding a new love for Christ, he said, like I've never seen before. And this is the most remarkable. The children were speaking, teaching, preaching, some of them more powerful than any adult in the entire place. The conviction of the Holy Spirit spoken through the words of these children was captivating. And by the end of the year, the entire section of southwestern Kentucky had seen revival. It had gone down to Tennessee. It had spread to Ohio and Indiana because of the mercy of God. Someone say, Amen. And then people were coming from long distances just to see what God was up to. And then it moved to the central Kentucky near Paris. And God's spirit was poured out at a place called Cane Ridge. Why are you telling us, Pastor? Because God's going to do it again. Now follow with me as we study today. There's a camp meeting going on down the, down the road, just about four miles. How many have been to that camp meeting? Hold your hand up. Hundreds of people have been baptized. People filled with the Spirit. People giving their heart to Christ. People healed. The Lord has been worshipped. It has been wonderful. Now, I just want to make clear the direction of this church. Our heart to be is, to be, is to be a presence-based church. Everyone say presence-based. What do you mean presence-based? We're talking about his presence, not my presence or yours. We love people and we're grateful for other priorities that other churches have. And we don't want to make fun or belittle what they are trying to do. But we are not a seeker-driven church. We love seekers, but that's not our focus. It's not about programs here, even though we got some great ones. It's not about small groups, even though I'm in about six small groups every week. It's not about social justice, even though we want Jesus to bring justice. It's not about Bible teaching. We treasure that or children's ministry or serving. How many people we can get serving? It's not about evangelism, even though we want everybody to go to heaven. It's not about missions, even though that's in our heart. It's about one thing. It's about him. And sadly, in many churches today, it seems like the Lord is absent in their churches. Uh, Growing up in the church I grew up in, every Sunday we passed something called a pew pad down the row for people to sign in. It was a wonderful thing. It helped people keep track of other people. But I wonder if God's Spirit even signs in sometimes. A verse we use for evangelism, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, is really not an evangelistic verse. Jesus is trying to get into his church. And I want to say, we don't want to ever criticize other churches for what they do and don't do. We want to love them. We want to pray for them. We want to believe them. We want to strengthen them. And it's not the size of the church that matters. That has nothing to do with anything. We just want to make sure our focus is on him and help as many people as we can. We shared this last week. It's a simple principle. If there's no water, there's no what? 
and to realize every day it's not about us. We are really nothing and we can do nothing. Everyone say nothing. That comes from John 15. Say it with me, please. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. And when Jesus comes, he's looking for fruit. He's not looking for leaves. He's not looking for dirt. He's not looking for stems. He's looking for fruit. And then the rest of the verse, say it with me, please. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I can't do God's work. I can't. I can't change hearts. He's the only one that can do it. So have you and I figured that out yet? It's not about us. We ask him to do his 98%. We add 2%, maybe one. We show up. We let him do his work. And so one moment in the presence of the Lord is better than being in a church service. And church services are wonderful. But church services won't change anybody's life apart from the presence of the Lord. One word, one touch, one picture, one move of God's spirit literally changes every single thing. He's the one that does that. And only an encounter with the Holy Spirit, Jesus told Nicodemus, a man must be born of the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, people cannot be awakened to their need for Christ. The more we pray, the more people will be open. The more we pray, the more God's Spirit will move. It's that simple. I want to show you a picture. If you've been around a while, I've shown this picture a lot because this is where I heard the gospel as an inebriated 18-year-old in front of a bar in a college town. I heard the gospel for six minutes. I didn't receive Christ, but my heart was awakened. I could not shake. It wasn't the words. It was God's spirit in the street that night. And nobody else knew what happened to me. I didn't even know what happened to me. But I was changed. And I knew I needed Jesus after that night. I just didn't know how to find him. Now the questions we should always ask ourselves: If you're in youth ministry, you're in evangelism, you're in missions, you're in worship. Some of these questions we should always ask. You're on the board. Does God's spirit feel welcomed here? Can he do whatever he wants? It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not the church of the board. It's not the bank's church. It's his church. We take orders from him. And does God show up on a consistent basis? Because if he doesn't show up, there's no need for us to show up. We're just going through the motion. So we want to know, did God show up? And sometimes it's subtle that we hardly even notice it. But people tell me, we drive on the property, we feel something. What is that? I said, it's the presence of the Lord. A person that did not receive Christ told me she'd been coming here six weeks, and every Sunday she's just weeping, and she doesn't know why she's weeping. I said, well, let me tell you, it's the presence of the Lord telling you how much he loves you, and he wants you to take the next step. And we need to say this over and over and over. The Holy Spirit is the guest. 
We want to honor him. We want to welcome him. We want to obey him. We want to listen to him. Now, also, he's the owner of the house. He owns a house. He owns a building. He owns the chairs. He owns the people in the chairs. He owns everything. So he is both guest and boss. And are people experiencing his presence? Are you sensing the Lord working in your life? Another thing that I've kind of been thinking about, I cannot predict when God's spirit's going to move. I just can't. I can't predict it. Sometimes when I feel so far away from him, he shows up. Other times, uh, I'm just not sure. But we cannot predict and plan when he's going to move. Every day is not the same. Some days are amazingly special. The scripture we, I just put on the screen there, it says, put on the full armor of God that you can stand. Notice what it says in the what? In the evil day. I read that one day. Holy Spirit says, Steve, some days are more evil than others. If you're not prayed up, you don't have the full armor of God, you might get your teeth kicked in that day. There are some days darkness plans an offense against you, a campaign against you. And so some days heaven has a campaign to do in your life. Point number three. Are you with me so far? Are you, you tracking me? Okay. Point number three. Fire represents the presence of God. Hebrew says our God is a what? Consuming fire. He wants to consume us. He wants to set us on fire. He wants us to burn with passion. He wants us to burn with holiness. He wants us to burn with devotion. He is a consuming fire. Number four. If you've not thought about this, I want you to think about God is always the initiator in your life. You think you came up with that good idea. No, he came up with it. He's always initiating relationship with you. Before you were born, he already had plans to work in your life through people and events. He was setting you up to know Jesus. And you need to watch and be aware. And he's been working in your family. Uh, Friday night, I went down front to, to pray with people coming to the altar at the camp meeting. And there was a young woman from Pennsylvania, sweet lady. And I just asked her I could pray for her. And I asked her, have you given your heart to Christ? Yes. I said, are your family believers? She said, she said, Steve, I'm the only Christian in my entire family. I said, well, today we're going to believe because we know God's spirit has been working in your family and your family is going to take steps and you're going to find your family surrendering their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Point number five. The Lord is always watching and waiting on you. How? He's waiting to see if you will notice the fire. The work of the Holy Spirit is very subtle. He whispers, he gives you nudges, he gives you impressions, he gives you thoughts. And you have to be aware. Old Steve keeps paper in my pocket all the time and throughout the day, I feel like he gives me nudges and prompts and ideas. 
Call this person. Take care of this thing. Now, if you don't like subtle, he can use his outside voice on you. Do you prefer subtle? If you don't like subtle, he could knock you on your back. He can work behind the scenes if you aren't getting subtle to get you released from your place of employment. He can even stick you where the sun doesn't shine if you don't like subtle. So are you a knucklehead? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a knucklehead? How big a hammer do you want on your noggin? The issue is to slow down. The issue is to wait. The issue is to watch for what God is doing. The issue is to listen. The issue is always to step closer. Not get further away. The verse says, say it with me please, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You're as close to God as you want to be. You have 24 hours like everybody else does. Now I have not been prone to receiving dreams from God, but last night I got a most unusual dream. It was so vivid. I remembered every detail. And as I prayed this morning, I asked the Lord what it meant. And I think, it, I think it's for me, but it may be for somebody in this room. I was at the old farmhouse in South Carolina where I grew up. And I'm in the backyard. There's fences and barns and stuff there. And I'm walking across a yard I grew up in. And there's a tall bunch of grass about this tall, like a line, about like a straight line. And as I walk up to it, I see an amazing thing. There's a ditch with a farm animal in the ditch. And when the animal sees me, it gets up. And then I see there's another precious animal behind him. And it, one, it gets up. Then a third one gets up. Then a fourth one gets up. I think the Lord was telling me, Steve, I've given you great resources They're right at your feet. You have to watch what I'm doing. You've prayed and asked, and I've answered your prayer. They're right there, Steve. Now, somebody else had a prophetic word about what this morning, the first service where we were watching. Where are your eyes? Are your eyes on stuff that it doesn't matter? Are Are you watching stuff that's hurting you? Are your eyes on selfishness or on other people or your eyes, are they on the Lord and what he's doing? Point number six. The closer that you and I get to the Lord, the more we're going to see what he's doing. And the closer you and I are to the Lord on a daily basis, it's manna every day, scripture every day. Dedicated prayer time every single day. The more close you are, the more you will hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you. 
The scripture says, Moses in verse three said, I must say that please, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Moses turning and walking was a deliberate action. He took steps. He made a decision. And the Lord Jesus said this about how he makes decisions. He said, I don't make decisions. I watch what the Father is doing and I join him in his work. That's what we should be doing. So, today, this may be your key. What deliberate steps has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you this week, this month, this year that you've still not taken? And will you take the step to turn and walk in obedience toward his presence? What is it? Maybe there's some of you have to forgive somebody. Maybe, maybe there's some in this room that the Lord has been telling you to repair a relationship that's been damaged and you will not do it out of fear. Maybe it's your mother. You cut her off 20 years ago and you know Jesus, but she doesn't. The Holy Spirit has been telling you, or maybe you've never learned to be faithful to the Lord's house. Maybe you have been, the Spirit of God has been prompting you to reach out to someone, to take the, make the phone call, give the text, walk across the street, invite the person in school to sit with you for lunch, and you still have not done it. Maybe you need to shut your mouth. Point number seven. It's only in the presence of the Lord where we hear his voice. As Moses got closer, the Holy One called his name and said, Moses, Moses. Point number eight, very important. Any encounter with the Holy One. We encounter his holiness. It's wonderful, but it's also dreadful. Why dreadful? Well, Steve, what does it mean, God's holiness? I don't even know what that means. Well, here's a quick definition. Holiness means moral perfection. The Holy One said, that's far enough. Take your shoes off. I'm teaching you something. This is holy ground. Now here's a verse, say it with me please, from Psalms 11. For the Lord is, and he loves. Do you know what righteousness means? It's kind of like holiness. It means he always speaks right. He always thinks right. He always acts right. If he does something, it is always right. Now, my challenge is every time I go to the place of prayer, I feel like the little boy that's got dirt on his face. Turn to your neighbor and see if they got dirt on their face right now. Lick your finger and just kind of go. When I'm in the Lord's presence, the closer I get to him, I feel my own selfishness, my own arrogance, my own weakness, my own consistency. And I wrestle with that. 
And there are sometimes I just have to say, Lord, I failed you yesterday because I didn't do what you asked me to do. And I ask you to forgive me and I'm sorry. I'll do better the next day. And actually, his holiness is a catalyst to cause me to need him. Point number nine. The Lord has been working in your family for generations, whether you know it or not. The Lord said this to Moses. I am the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham. I was working in Isaac's life before he was born. And I'm the one that actually wrestled Jacob there by the river. And I want you to know he's been working in your family for hundreds of years to get you to a place of encounter with him so you can hear his calling. Does anybody know how old Moses was when this took place? Anybody know? Take a guess. He was 39. It's a joke. He was 80. Can you believe that? Age 80. Age 80. He had been in a wilderness for 40 years. And my point with the age of Moses is, if you have breath, you should be on task. If your heart is still beating, you should be serving Jesus and helping others. There's no such thing as retiring from service, serving Jesus. People need Jesus badly, and you and I should not be checking out just because you got to a certain age. Someone say amen. Amen. This nursing home in Shelby County, I would go there and speak once a month and do a devotion for people in the nursing home. And a pastor that I followed at that church was a great man of God. And when his wife died, he did a most unusual thing. I couldn't believe it. I still can't believe it today. He was in good health. He checked himself into that nursing home. In good health. Living by himself in a nice house. Driving a car. I said, Pastor, why did you do that? He said, because there's people in that nursing home that need Jesus. And there's no church that will have me at my age. And there are lost people there. And if I can lead five people to Christ before I die, that's what I'm going to do. Wow. Wow. You see, some of you folks my age or younger need to be thinking about this. The last quarter of your life, the last quarter of any football game or basketball game is the best part of the game. Don't quit serving the Lord. Between age 60, 85, 88, or 90, you should have more wisdom, more love for people, more faith, more ability to lead people to the Lord, more ability to teach the scriptures, more ability to pray a hole through heaven than you did at 45. So don't stop. Don't stop. Point number nine, God cares. Everyone say that, please. God cares. Does he still care today? Yes or no? If God cares, we need to be on task. Do you care? 
He said plainly, I've come down because I care. Your mission, our mission, your purpose, our purpose is only revealed in the presence of the Lord. Now, Christians quote Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot. Great verse to quote. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity. To give you a bright future and a blessing. That's a great promise. But don't quote that promise without quoting verse number 13. Because verse 11 is not automatic in your life. He's got plans, but you may never find his plans unless you seek him with all your heart. Serving God is always bigger than you. It's not about you. It's never about you. It's never about me. And it's never about now. It's about 20 years from now. And if you quit for any reason because you got hurt, you got disappointed, you got a bad taste in your mouth, you got bitter, somebody failed you, everybody turned their back on you, that still doesn't matter. You have a calling. Let me say some things about God's calling. Worship team, would you guys come on up? When God calls you, normally it's threatening Normally, it's intimidating. Normally, it's way over your head because you go, I can't do that. Every time God calls me to do something different, it's stretching and kind of fearful. Why? For a couple of reasons. Because the need is great. And you look at the need and go, I can't, I can't meet all that need. That's impossible. I, I, I can't help all those people. And also because the one calling you is great. The need is great. And the one calling you is great. So it's intimidating. And then you realize you're not so great. And if you use your inadequacy to tell no to the great one, you just missed your calling. It's not about you. It's about your yes to his calling. See, it's never about your ability. He called you because you do not have the ability. It's never about your resources. It's never about how smart you are. It's never about your strength. Look at the picture. Everybody see in the picture? See the picture on the screen? Third grade level, what's it about? Pick up the stick, Steve. Pick up the stick, I'll part the sea. Say it with me, please. Pick up the stick, I'll part the sea. If you're so weak, you have to have two hands to pick up the stick. Use two hands. Pick up the stick, he will part the sea. It's not about you. You do 2%. He does 90%, maybe 90%. 9%. Your job is to show up and pick up the stick. Now, if you listen to the lie that's very common among God's people, well, if I don't answer God's call on my life, 
No big deal. Here's what the devil says. And sometimes Christians. God will just raise somebody else up. But you refused what he asked you to do. Moses, out of fear, age 80, five excuses. How many? How many? Well, who am I that you send me? I don't even know your name. What if I get down to Egypt and they ask me a question I can't answer? Well, of course they will ask you questions you can't answer. I'll answer them. The fifth excuse came that close to getting Moses killed. The verse says, the anger of the Lord burned hot against Moses. Do you know what he said? Uh, uh, holy one, go ask somebody else. Now here's this verse. Would you say it with me from Ezekiel? I searched for a man among them who would build up a wall, stand in the gap before me for the land, so I would not destroy it, but I found what? Found how many? Well, will God raise up somebody else? Maybe, maybe not. Do you know what the problem is on our planet? Do you know why there's still 3 billion people that have never heard of Jesus? Do you know why there's still kids that die from malaria and poor drinking water? Do you know why there's all sorts of crime in horrible places? Do you know why there's so much brokenness around the globe? Well, it must be God's fault. No, I think the issue is God can't find people who will say, yes, sir. I'll pick up the stick. You part the sea. A lot of you in this room have significant calls on your life. And if you don't obey the Lord, those people may never get reached. They may never get prayed for. Well, who does he call, Steve? Corinthians tells us he calls the weak. Everyone say weak. He calls the foolish. Everyone say foolish. And he calls the lowly. If we were going to divide these groups up, these two groups here would be the weak. Hold your hand up. Are you the weak? Hold your hand up. These two groups are the weak. Excuse me. Can you guys be foolish just for a few seconds? Hold your hand up. This is a foolish. So this is a weak. This is a foolish. And this is the lowly. Everyone scoot down in your seat a little bit. This is the lowly. I can't do anything. I'm not very gifted. I'm not smart. Say, bless the Lord. I'm lowly. Lowly poly. Well, guess what? If you're weak, foolish. <laughs> I went to the revival without an umbrella. I was like weak, foolish, and lowly. I kept sinking down in the mud. Do you know why God calls these people? Because they know they don't know what they're doing. They know they got no chance of pulling it off. They know, well, I'm Forrest Gump of the church, you know. So why would you miss out on your calling? Why would you miss out for the adventure of your life for some dumb 
excuse. And here's the last point. God's just looking for a couple of things. It's not about ability, it's about availability. It's, will you believe him? He can give you what you need, but he needs you first. And will you do, would you just tell him, I'll go, I'll go. You can use me, I'll go. Nobody else will go, I'll go, I'll go. Now during this last, the best part of the service, the most important part, are these next moments. Do you know why? It's time for response. To sit and listen to the word and not make a response. Not to watch and see what the Holy Spirit is doing. You may have wasted your time. Here's what I'm going to ask today. I want you to make whatever deliberate step the Holy Spirit is asking you to make. You need to forgive somebody. You need to say, Lord, I'll reach out. Lord, I'm tired of living with this addiction to darkness. I want to live in purity and holiness. I want to read the scriptures. I've never, ever been consistent with reading the scriptures. I want to learn to lead people to Jesus. I want to, I don't know how to pray. Lord, would you give me a spirit of prayer and teach me to pray? So as Julie plays these next holy moments, I'm going to pray for you. Then I want you to stand up and come down. If the Lord has given you a deliberate step he wants you to take, you don't know how to do it. You don't even know if you can. Just tell him yes. He will fill in the blanks. Tell him yes. And some of you need to give your heart to Jesus. And you've never done it. Would you do it today? So as Julie, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, come in your power. You're here. We recognize your presence. We recognize your conviction. Not the conviction of a man, but the conviction of heaven. In these moments, move powerfully. Give a gift of faith. A gift of brokenness, I pray for tears were needed. But I pray for a new heart today. Help your sons and daughters to say yes. And those who aren't, to give their heart to Jesus right now. So come on forward. Come on forward. Take that deliberate step, whatever he's told you. Come forward to the altar. Find a place and tell him yes. Come on right now. Come on right now. Don't put it off. Don't tell him another time. You tell him yes, and you make the decision, and you humble yourself. When you change your posture, you get up out of your seat. It opens your heart to the Holy One. So you come. Come and respond to him now.
Lord, for people that want a prayer language, would you give it to them today? May it just start, start small. May it just start for people, Father, that want to be filled with the Spirit. Meet them right where they are. Fill them to overflowing. People that need healing, Lord, release your healing touch in this room right now. Come, Lord. Release your grace, your power. Release your faith to say yes. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, now. Be filled. Be filled to overflowing. Father, release your conviction. There's people watching on the web all over the world. Release your conviction. Whisper. Tell them it's time to give their heart to Jesus right now where they are. Father, call the next generation of those men and women that will have the spirit of Moses on them. Do it now, Lord. Do it now. I pray for the prodigals, Father, from many families that are lost and broken and headstrong. Father, you got Moses in one day. Get them, Lord. Wherever they are, get them. Bring them to their senses. May they notice a fire even now. Warm hearts, Lord. Warm hearts, Lord. Warm hearts, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More. Whatever you're holding on to that the Lord is talking to you about, let it go. Let it go. You don't need it. It's just holding you back. Let it go. Let it go. Let go the anger. Let go the hurt. Let the Holy Spirit heal with his oil. Heal that disappointment, that broken heart. That rejection that you've had, let it go. He's here to heal you. Let it go. More, Lord. More, Lord. As we continue to worship, the worship team's coming, and they're going to lead us all in worship. But you just linger in God's presence. Let him do a work. He's not done. He's still working.
make his face shine upon be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you
I thank you that it's not about us. It takes all the pressure off. It's all about you. Give us the courage to do the 2%, to step out, move forward, and let you warm our hearts. And Father, this week and the next week, may we notice what you've done in our lives subtly or powerfully. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to linger. You're welcome to get prayer from people on both sides. Slip out quietly, pick your children up, but enjoy the Lord's goodness. In Jesus' name. joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.